Hello world, it's me again, the voice in your ear, that crazy person talking to you. Well, not crazy, that person talking crazy things to you or making no sense at all, wasting your time, filling up megabytes with random talk. Yes, it's me, Hacker Mike, on my morning walk in the heart of New Jersey. We got gloves on, a hat, a hoodie. It should be about 40, 50 degrees um, Fahrenheit. I guess it's like around five degrees Celsius, maybe 10. Yeah. It's cold, but not that cold. <clears throat> We've been working up to this. We're working up to the winter because these warning walks are gonna continue into the cold. So what are we gonna talk about today? We're gonna do clips and tell stories stream of random let's put the random back into random I don't really feel like playing with the phone today we're doing a clip show it's kind of stressful but I'll tell you some of the things I listened to recently so first of all Julian Assange is being held in the extradition case that could go on for years. Um, he's being held in a maximum security prison. And basically, the crimes that he supposedly committed are the same crimes. This is what um, the Glenn Greenwald was saying. He was saying that the crimes of helping the leaker are what journalists normally do. And then if they prosecute Julian Assange, then that's also gonna close the door on, um, that's also gonna close the door on uh, New York Times and uh, New York Times and Washington Post that also uh, allow leaks. And um, it's a long history that newspapers will leak confidential information. And they uh, work together with WikiLeaks and publish this stuff in coordination. <clears throat> Yet now nobody's covering his trial. So it seems that, you know, he's getting used and abused says Greenwald so yeah that's uh, an important story and um, yeah his health was deteriorating in the in the embassy he was living in like the tiniest um, of uh, areas And um, he really uh, did expose quite a bit, um, but uh, you know. Well, we don't know what's going on, and we don't know uh, what all is um, the government is doing, and, and uh, they're angry that someone exposed it. So, but they also he also exposed it to the enemies. I guess the people are kind of the enemy, or considered to be not trustworthy. Because the enemy is within the people, I suppose. 
so yeah it's um it's a tough it's a tough one it's not straightforward but uh, we should follow that case and um, I was listening to some security news and they were saying Iranians are targeting people but the, the important one was that uh, some banking malware source code was released because they couldn't get enough money in the auction um, so we should expect more mobile phone um, hacking and online banking so be careful with that um, now Gary Knoll also was talking about how these tests the, co the PCR COVID test is basically amplifying up to 40 times the um, it's looking for RNA and it can't decide between remnants of a dead virus that you had years ago and the current one and um, that it's wildly uh, inaccurate the COVID test well it's uh it's pretty crazy what's going on with that so this whole COVID thing is just a real nightmare in terms of truth and accuracy I guess we can err on the side of caution and not question the government but um, I think a healthy amount of skepticism is important as well <clears throat> and he was saying how Alzheimer's patients are dying because they're um, lacking the care that they would have gotten with, uh, otherwise. So, uh, there's this OSConf, um, open source conference channel on uh, Telegram that Satish is working on and um, we're discussing you know how are we going to run an online conference in 2021 and uh, I guess framing things is important and putting things into reference so There's a couple of different topics that I think that are important. One would be, what have we learned from COVID? What works and what doesn't work? And we should solicit presentations um, from people who have responded to COVID. And there was some talk, there were some um, podcasts about this, about, I think the Chaos Computer Club had a good podcast on running Jitsi and other alternatives so yeah that would be great to have people present online um, conference uh, software and solutions and uh, if they could host their own or apply for funding and we would give them the funding or raise the money for the conference uh, pay for the infrastructure that's needed and um, that would be uh, so the topic of actual like a recursive topic like what is the best online infrastructure what are some patterns or how to solve the um, 
online conference thing. You can also go over different software solutions for running conferences, managing papers and stuff. So like a meta conference, a conference about conferencing. That would be one possible topic or track. And what I think is important, and what I wanted to tell, tell Satish that was important for what we did in Kosovo, is I set up a free Linux course and I invited people to learn about Linux because I could teach that. And I recruited people for the conference via that method. So I was teaching them stuff, but I was also having them help me organize the conference. So I think that's also uh, something that you could do is start with courseware. And there's a lot of good courses out there on YouTube and so forth. So maybe stuff could be reused and um, I think it's also important to have a uh, it's important to have a um, curriculum and uh, so first develop a curriculum and then find videos that match that and there's a lot of good documentation and I guess the curriculum is really the Linux kernel itself because the kernel itself has all these different parts and learning the different parts and how to use them from a user perspective because everything is configurable somehow somewhere and somehow I mean that's like a source code um, centric view inside-out view but uh, also like just the shell file systems and so forth like Unix stuff and that could also be that could also be done with video lectures and so forth but people need to have someone to talk to so even after they watch all the videos and read all the material they want to have an instructor to talk to someone to answer some questions and I guess we can go through multiple iterations so yeah that really could uh, be a good starting point for people getting into open source it's like well how do you interact with it so like a bootstrapping open source like well how do you install Linux how do you compile your own software right how do you get stuff off of github how do you interact with the community how do you do a pull request? How do you do a rebase? I mean, those are some basic things for interacting with an open source community. So, and then, um, and I need that as well here, as, you know, like, can we point people at some learning material for open source, like, worldwide, right? And be vendor neutral. 
And then the big question comes in is like, how do you certify people? How do you test them? And um, can we make truly random tests? Hard tests? Can they run in a browser? So yeah, I mean really testing and hands-on like certification or hands-on uh, testing is probably going to be the most expensive to orchestrate um, and you want to make sure that people won't be able to google the error messages even though I think Everyone Googles their messages. I think you should make things that are hard to do even if you Google their message. Like concepts. Do you understand the concept? That's enough on that topic for now. Okay, well, I guess this is going to turn into a uh, episode on courseware. Because I do have something to say about this. If we look at a conference and tracks and all that, like why do people go to a conference? What does it all mean? They want to learn something. So um, traditionally, we've just solicited topics, talks on a topic, and just brought them in. Now, if you look at the curriculum of a school, or a certification program, they'll have layers and layers, and each of those layers will build on top of each other. So you learn foundational things first, and then you um, go to the next stage. So <clears throat> What if we were to look at these talks in a conference as really lessons in a curriculum, in a plan? And we say, how does this talk fit in? What are its prerequisites, right? And um, how do we give people the prerequisites that are needed, right? So what other talks did they have to listen to first? And these could be stuff that's online. You know, we could have like a talk on this topic and uh, the speaker could introduce a whole bunch of things as prerequisites to that. Um, and we would add them and then we would look, well, what are the prerequisites to the prerequisites? The predecessor functions, we get all the way to the bottom. And I'm just saying that, uh, really, if we want to look at an open source conference, we should think about a learning platform 
that goes from A to Z that will bring you from the basis all the way up and give you a path to get there. Um, some type of structure, some type of tests or exercises, right? Challenges. And those challenges could be also just answering Stack Overflow questions, right? Like, for this topic, what Stack Overflow questions um, would be related? And, uh, like, don't look at the answer. Come up with your own solution, for example. Like, that could be, like, a self-paced training. <clears throat> right? Coming up with some kind of uh, model. So, yeah, I think um, we could uh, talk about those foundations and how to break things down. Um, and how to deliver them. And it's really kind of the question of, like, if you're going to bootstrap an operating system, right, what are the pieces that you need in what order to be delivered, compiled, in order to bring it up? Well, you need a terminal emulator. You need to learn your keyboard bindings. You need some kind of editor. You need a way to launch, load, and execute commands. You need a shell of some kind. Remember, Linux started as a terminal for him to um, to log into school. So he wasn't even running a lot of processes locally. He was just running them. Um, he was just running bare minimal processes that would enable him to connect to another machine. So, yeah, and. Uh, What are the skills you need? So terminal, bash, some kind of SSH. All of that would be useful to have, you know, TCP, IP networking, setting up your Wi-Fi connection. Routing, open WRT, so those are all types of, uh, those are all types of, uh, topics, you know, how to use how to debug HTTP requests, right? How to use curl. Um, you know, <clears throat> so yeah, I think um, there's a lot of different topics we could cover. Create some kind of curriculum and then fit talks onto them and really like a skeleton, like a framework for uh, global learning. And maybe we can download or use or unify other people's attempts at this or come up with something new. Um, even just looking at the foundations of the source code, as I said, like... Oh, regular expressions. 
like, oh, well, these programs use the regular expression library, so we should cover regular expressions. Like, even what libraries are they using? What capabilities do they combine? Right? What syntaxes are available? And what tools do you need to build them? So yeah, I think taking things from that perspective, we should be learning C at the beginning. I should be learning how to use the compiler. You know, how to compile and make, how to use make, how to use autoconfig. How to use Git. Like, maybe a course would be like how to bootstrap uh, Linux from source. You know, Linux from scratch. It's kind of like the uh, Skyblock mod in Minecraft where you start on one block and uh, you start pulling things in. Like, what are the absolute foundations of all of this? <clears throat> yeah, and I'm thinking, like, a Docker container could give you a starting point for running everything, because it basically gives you a unified interface. And eventually, um, a lot of this stuff can be compiled to run in the browser. <sighs> or virtually. Okay, so that would be a pretty cool goal to have like a browser-based system that you could use to bootstrap everything. And you know, everyone can get like a Google, well not everyone, but you have to have a credit card to get a Google account. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have to look at uh, different target platforms, like what's the most minimal platform. But I think uh, bootstrapping basic tools in WebAssembly um, might be a target path we can discuss. We need to do some more research on that. Okay, so I'm listening to um, Syntax Tasty Treats for Web Developers, and they had an episode building curriculum for courses. And uh, basically, he's actually um, doing an actual project. So he picks a project to work on to actually do something. And then he develops this course around that and he shows all the steps and he actually does it. He does like a medium, small to medium size, not production ready, but like a good example app. <clears throat> so that's interesting. So that's basically like a guided build, which is essentially following the source code.
So that's um, I suppose if you were to record or stream something happening and then you working on the project and then clip it all together um, pick out the best bits that might be uh, a good way to do it I could try uh, recording with open broadcast studio working on something and then um, work out uh, work out uh, the best parts and edit that together Whew. like basically a slow construction with all with explanations of everything uh, something you could follow along and type in as well I mean, is that not annotated source code? So what if we put like timestamps into the source code that would reference uh, commits? So if we would associate the timestamp from a commit, if we commit each and every change, or um, There's this tool called uh, this is this is a terminal recorder you can get that actually records the timestamps of keystrokes. But you know, S Trace will do that too. Like you just run everything in S Trace, it'll record keystrokes at what time. Yeah, so maybe, maybe we need really is what we need is a better recording system that'll allow you to associate code to timestamps to recordings, events on the screen to actually connect everything together in like a I hate to say it into a what did you see Wolfram say? The hypergraph. For the decision trees. For the the um So if your final product is a running program and all the steps that you do to make that program are causally invariant and they have to happen before that program gets to the state that it's in. It doesn't matter what order you do them in, he said, as long as they follow the absolute basics of causation. So if we could construct a causal graph or software to show how it's constructed and explain that. All the steps leading up to its construction, which aren't necessarily the steps that are in its execution. construction of a software is the execution of a different software, right? The construction of a software is the execution of the software development process. 
and the learning of the software development process is the learning of different skills and steps that build on top of each other. And open source is basically software development because it's the open software development process that you can influence. Okay, so now we're making connections. So I think <clears throat> Yeah, I think connecting all these things together in some type of framework would be really cool. So let me think about that some more. Yeah, so he's talking about um How software development is non-linear and you're jumping around you're refactoring and that's like what we talked about before about the uh, invariant so basically it doesn't matter what order you do things in as long as it gets done um, and uh, for learning I mean what if uh, what if the actual video is generated right so what if we have a branching structure of all this jumping around create a graph of some kind um, <clears throat> and then we can generate a linear thing Like if we could generate a video or an animation for the user based on the source code and the inputs and the, and the description and the text, we pull that all together, associate it with each other somehow, and then could compile that into some kind of video. Like would that even be possible? visualize different things, different parts of the code, show truth tables and make things apparent that are, are, are implicit, show uh, parallelism, um, but not as a static picture, but as an interactive graph or diagram that you can click on. Right? that you can explore. So we know how a particular piece of software has been created, like what order, the different versions it's gone through, and we know what the final result is, we know what the final behavior is. We can show how the behavior has changed over time. Or show what behaviors are possible at different stages at, in time. And, um, yeah, I'm kind of getting lost here in my head, as always. Got to then build up 
layers and layers that build on top of each other. Starting with stuff that's simple. Starting with simple things that you can play with that are entertaining and then build those together into more complicated pieces. So interact user adding in user interactivity or even you know simple input output loops, something with a feedback something you can explore on the shell and play with and learn from and model internally because one thing we learned is that by playing with something by interacting with it you learn it better all right well, I think this is enough for today of my blathering and getting lost in my head. I'm going to pause this for now. Maybe I'll come back if I have some more insights, but I need to think about this some more. All right. Well, maybe we can start with this idea of recording and connecting with some very, very simple examples and build them up. Um, you know, maybe we can... Uh, connect all things, so to say, um, I know that X windows sh should be able to give you some kind of trace. Windows as well. The browser as well. Like mouse movements. Be able to create some kind of log. And I know that those 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 tutorial recorder tools like Microsoft has, that's pretty cool. You know, recording what window you're in, what you're typing. So maybe a better screen recorder app. Maybe this could be a plug-in for the open broadcasting studio. To um and I suppose what we're doing is we're going to create a stream of metadata for each frame. Like, what's in this frame? Basically, what is there to see? Like, if you ran an open CV, if you ran some, like a, some kind of computer vision on the screen, and some kind of uh, voice recognition on the audio, if you pull that together and you actually dereferenced it and said, well, what does each piece mean? And then we would uh, connect that all in a graph. I think that's kind of what we're getting at here. But what if we don't have to recognize it? What if we declare it from the beginning? So we use declarative instead of reverse engineering. We would declare. And uh, what if we just generate the speech using the computer voice? In the end, um, I could read out individual pieces and then have them stitched together. Or we generate the text and I'll read out the full sentences. We'll have to see exactly uh, what we want to do here. But I kind of went over this in my idea when I first started this podcast. When I was planning the podcast. And, um, yeah, we started then with what was possible and not what we wanted to do. So um, I think 
applying some kind of bootstrap system, some kind of recursive system, building it from the ground up. Uh, it's going to be needed. And um, let's see what we can do. Okay, so finally, um, <clears throat> what we haven't talked about is how this is all connected with execution. Now, we could execute a virtual machine and record all the steps, but we lose a lot of information. Um, between what's intended and what actually happens. It's very hard to look at machine language or some encoding for, for execution and figure out what's happening. So intent gets lost. So if we declare our intent up front and um, we want to be super clear about everything and have layers and layers of learning. But we also want to capture the execution, right? And that's part of, let's say, uh, adjusting how the execution happens to include, let's say, the capturing of what happens. So I'm just going to open up this whole thing now and reference previous episodes. We talked about the closed world model where you have, you know, your editor, your operating system, your compiler, your source code trees, all of that is known to you. And you have a bootstrap system for building all of it from scratch and adjusting how it executes. Well then, um, you can modify the source code, let's say, or modify compiler options to augment these binaries for tracing. That's one option. Another option is if we collect information about, and I did go over this at one point, um, if we collect information about each byte of a file and say, oh, this is everything we know about this byte and everything we know about that byte. So we collect all this byte level information. Um, <clears throat> and then we can trace through the flow diagrams of how these bytes flow through the memory. And where do they land? And um, also there's transformations you can do on the input, like tacking on something to an identifier, right? Or adding in information to a string to augment it, or even replacing a string where the cryptographic signed something identifier so that you don't have um, the original string, you have an ID into another system, a key. And then you would go and look for those strings in the, in the memory. So, so there's different ways of decoding um, or cracking codes by presenting known inputs.
So, if we're able to trace the entire execution of something through a system and inspect all the different parts of it, for understanding that's great. Um, and there's a perf tool that'll allow us to do that dynamically. which is why I've been focused on that. For dynamic instrumentation. Because you don't always need all the data. You could reduce your sample size down to key points and cut out the noise. So, I suppose we could filter and congeal and block things together, compress them, so we reduce the amount of data collected and redundancies, apply compression. But uh, that's kind of what I'm, where I'm heading. So I'm thinking of an augmented execution or a visualized execution, and um, modification to the uh, to the compiler for tracing. to end this wonderful talk with you early this morning because I have some other things to take care of. The dentist is opening up. So I get to go to the dentist today. Yay. Alright then. I'll send this one out.